You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Hello and welcome to the show. Stu Goldsmith here. Today on The Comedian's Comedian, I am welcoming back a fabulous guest, a brilliant comic, Loiso Gola, who is a huge deal in South Africa and increasingly a burgeoningly huge deal in the rest of the world. Uh, he is about to, or by the time you hear this, will already have dropped his new Netflix special. It's his first, arguably his debut Netflix special. He did a smaller one as part of the Comedians of the World strand a little while ago. But this is his first one. It's called Unlearning, and we're going to talk about it. It was filmed during COVID times, and I'm going to grill Loyeso on exactly... Uh, the reasons behind that, how they did it, and uh, there is some fabulous insight into the workings of the director of that show, who was a movie director, and we'll learn a little bit about the difference that made to the special. Loads of great stuff coming up. We'll talk about his aim to improve rather than earn, the value and the price of stubbornness, and we will find out why clarity is freedom. Loads to enjoy here, and an extra 15 minutes if you're in the Insiders Club, including Loyeso on his filming technique, why crowd work is a dangerous drug, and on his conscious effort not to exploit trauma for material. All of that and more at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. And that private feed includes the exclusive insiders Q&As that we've had recently with James Acaster and Mr Nish Kumar. Here is Loyeso. Obviously, the first thing we have to talk about is doing the show, recording a Netflix special during pandemic times when did you when did you record it because we last saw each other in Cape Town in I think early March last year at the festival and all of the all of the acts based in Britain who were on that on that festival with me everyone flew home in an increasingly panicky holy shit this is real that was like Cape Town holds personal significance for me in my narrative of the pandemic how long was it after that that you recorded the show uh we shot the show in December so December twelfth. Okay. Uh, yeah, December December twelfth, December eleventh. I don't I don't remember the exact dates, but it was it was early December when we shot the show. So it was about about eight months, nine months after you left Cape Town. Yeah. <laughs> and. And tell me about the decision to do that, because presumed I'm watching it as a comic, going, oh, you must have had to really think about whether to. Do it now, do it in December, wait for the pandemic to end. Because, it, you know, the experience of watching the show is it's it's in a, a very beautiful room and it's beautifully lit and the set's great. And obviously there are not many people in there. They're socially distanced. And that has a kind of effect of one sort or another on the vibe, on the feeling in the room. So just talk to me about that. What was that kind of... Um, what was it like deciding? Like, was there a period where they went, "Look, do you want to do it now, or do you want to wait?" And what were the factors that went into that? Um, yeah, it, it, we were trying to. It, it was crazy because it, the numbers inc- could increase any time, and so the government would in, in, implement these levels of lockdown. And so, for for example, 
let's say maybe like three days before we were supposed to shoot, everyone's ready to they shut down certain provinces of the country. So we were panicking and we were lucky that we weren't shooting in a province that was being locked down. So we were, we were, it was pretty rushed. So it would be like, okay, cool. We are allowed 50 people in a room. We are allowed space. And so we go, okay, cool. Can we put together a production in a space of, let's predict two months where the government might implement another lockdown. So it was, it was really like you, I had to have some of the best production people on board to pull this off because it needed uh, people who knew what they were doing and they needed to do it sometimes in a very uh, short space of time. But the decision to do this special, I, I just thought the, the, the time that we were going to shoot the special, meaning COVID time, is quite opportune to the themes that I was touching on on the show. And it's not like um, a laugh every 15 seconds kind of show. It's about like, it it takes its time and it, it really gets into the bones of, uh, like it really gets into the juice of, of, of topics sometimes. And, um, and so I, I thought that if you do that kind of show in sort of like a 2,000-seater, you kind of feel some sort of pressure to deliver like 30 a joke every 30 seconds. So I also thought it was a great opportunity. I thought like COVID was a blessing to the type of show I was producing. Okay. Because the, yeah, that's interesting. So do you feel like, did it mark a departure for you, this kind of a show when you say you're getting into the juice of stuff? Is it more like a kind of, not art house, but is it? But does it lean more that way than your usual stuff? Because I tell you, just to to kind of insert before you answer that question, yeah. the key thing I listened back to some of the last time you were on the show, which is like four and a half years ago now, five years ago, yeah. and you had just you we were in Edinburgh and you were doing the one the sh- the title of which was a reference to the Lion King, which escapes me now. Uh, dude, where's my lion? Dude, where's my lion? That was it. Okay, yeah. so. Uh, <laughs> um, so that since that show, since seeing you in that show, it's a great show, I, my experience of you has changed radically because then when we were in Cape Town, I saw you in front of your home crowd in a huge venue, absolutely killing, right? So I kind of like my, my view of who you are and what you do has kind of shifted a lot in that time. And so with that in mind, as someone who definitely has like the gears to do these huge, I mean, you were doing... What show was it? Was it the was it the nasty show you were on, or like the oh I don't I don't or something? I think it, I I mean for me it was like you could put me in any show in Cape Town and I'll be fine. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, but I, I just like a, I just don't remember which show is what is what I mean without. Yeah, I remember now it was called the Danger Zone. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there was yeah. much sort of laughter yeah. about that backstage. But my point being, you were doing kind of how yeah, do you know but, you were doing material. I'd only seen you at an arts festival before. And then I was like, oh, shit, this is Loy murdering with loads of stuff, like the beggar stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a student of, of stand-up. So I really try to apply myself to how to approach the audience. And so um, like it's, it, I always think of it like cricket. So I don't know if you're a cricket person. Do you watch cricket at all? No, not at all. 
So, but I will accept the metaphor. I'll work out what you mean backwards. So, so, so cricket is, it's different formats. It's like three major formats that they have. So they have like the 2020 series and then they have 2020 and then they have uh, full day cricket and then they have five day cricket. And some of the times, some of the players who play five day don't play 2020. Sure. Uh, and vice versa. So, so they could have three, di- for all intents and purposes, they could have three different squads for all those three teams because not all the players. So you, so for me, sometimes I go, I can play a theater. I understand what it means to be in a, th- people are dressed up in a theater and they're on dates. They just had dinner and they want to listen to stuff. So yeah. you could tell them stuff. So I, and I also understand what it means to be in a comedy club and it's dusty and the back is chitty chatty. There's someone smoking at the back. I understand what that is as well. So I, a lot of people never learn that. They just, they become one human being and then they take that human being to the club. And you're like, yo, but you can't tell us a long story about your nan in the fucking club at 10 uh, p.m. on a Saturday. We don't care. We're drunk. Just make us laugh like hard from our gut. And then when people are seated in a theater or, or sort of like, so you have to acknowledge the space, you have to acknowledge the occasion and then deal with that. Like you just can't tell the same jokes the same way just throughout. So I try to vary it as much as possible. So you could watch me 10 different times and you might get like four variations of me. Sure. So if you watch my Live at the Apollo set and then watch and then watch my special. You could go, these are actually almost two different humans. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, I, I think the reason I asked the question is because knowing that you can, knowing what you're capable of in a variety of different spaces. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so the, I approach the special very differently to the way I approach Live at the Apollo. Yes, because the, the point I'm getting at is the decision. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes in what, like, I don't know when you press the button on, yes, we're going to go for it. It's going to be December, the whatever the date was. Yes. But, you know, I'd be thinking to myself, do I want to put this show on now? Is it going to be in its best light now? Yeah, I mean, of course, you can play it in a small room. You can play it in a, in a big room. You know, you, I, know, I know you're capable of, like, adapting the material of that show to any kind of situation. But right. I'm just wondering what that feeling must be like of going, I, it has to come out now. And what the pressures were on that decision, whether it was just kind of like, you know, a need to get on stage or whether it was sort of like shrewd in terms of career progression or, oh, yeah. or what, what other those, those kind of decisions were. Because the material in that show isn't it's not like covid specific material. It's, no. it's, it's the material wasn't going to age. You could have waited a year, arguably. So I'm just interested in what that process was. What that oh, was. I, I also did uh, think that it's. Better to do it during COVID because more people might watch it because like Netflix subscriptions are up and um, people at home, uh, more people will get to see it. That that was definitely, it was a, definitely a, a shrewd career position where I was like, okay, cool. You know what? I need to, I need to do this now while people are all, while people all around the world are locked down and they could, when they could see this thing, they kind of forced, they kind of cornered into a decision of watching me yeah um because i'm a it's my first time getting a netflix special also it's it's um it's 
at the time when we, we did the deal, not many shows were coming out of Netflix, right? So they weren't producing because of COVID and a lot of shows weren't being made. And I knew that if I did make the show it and I did it well, it would get the marketing attention that I think it would deserve. Yeah. Had I had I recorded it at a different time, it probably would have been competing with like a big movie. But now they can't shoot big movies, so you could somehow become a big release for for Netflix. As we've seen, like in media reports, they said that Netflix reached two hundred million um, subscribers. Yeah. What? I, so that kind of kind of played in my mind. I mean, that was. I mean, they just announced that a couple of weeks ago, but. At the time, I knew that that would be the case because people are at home. And also, I think what was even a more determining factor was the idea that um, they weren't releasing content. They weren't producing content. So Netflix is not producing mm-hmm. content. So if I produce content, I and, and, and it's good, and they think it's good, um, they would throw the sink at, at it in, in terms of marketing. Sure. So then you would get more marketing than you would have gotten had they been able to like maybe release a big movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right, right. So, so you like, so you, so now you're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, um, I, I you can ask for more marketing, you know, <laughs> and they, and, 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 they, and, 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 and because they're always like, oh, this is coming up on our platform all the time. You'd be in, in the mix of that. But I know a lot of productions don't get that. Um, I know a lot of people who don't get that because they, it's just, you coming out at the same time as Iron Man. It's just not gonna, you know, it's just, you just get swallowed by the Iron Man marketing. I'm just using Iron Man. Was <laughs> <laughs> that 20 <laughs> years old? <laughs> it seems like yeah, it was only yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes sense. I think it would still, what were some of the reservations you had? That's definitely the advantages, is there is the possibility of visibility, bigger marketing focus, those kind of things. As, as a comic and as a kind of businessman, because I know you're a smart guy, what were the kind of disadvantages that you were considering? What were the risks? I mean, what still are the risks, given it's not released yet and we don't yet know the, the results? What were the risks, like, performatively of, um, of, um, of agreeing to do it at that time? Well, when, when we did a sound check, like, I, I didn't like the acoustics of, of the place. So I knew that it would play in my mind while I'm performing. Uh, because there was a slight echo, yeah. which the audience didn't really pick up because it's such an ostentatious venue that the audience w- 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 the audience w- were, um, were fine with audio. When I, when I, when we, when we were sound checking, we sound checked for like two hours. And when I was sound checking with the full room, I said, can you guys hear me? Because I felt they like, we can't hear an echo sound. So I knew that was going to play my mind. And then also, but then I had to, I had to be at peace with the fact this is a recording. So if it, if, if the audio is fine for, for, for recording, then I should just get over the, the small echo that's going to play at the back of my mind throughout the whole hour that I'm performing. Ah, 
That's so frustrating, isn't it? Like one of those things as well. Like there's no way to test the acoustic before the audience in the, are in the room because they affect the acoustic. So it's just one of those things where you just have to trust a professional who isn't necessarily a comedy industry professional yeah. saying, this will be fine. And you're like, okay, it'll be fine. Yeah, but I, I did. I Listen, the, the first, so my, um, my, so when we shot, we shot the show four times. So the special, when you watch it, it's cut in between five shows. Oh, shit. Okay. It's, yeah. So it's funny. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if my director is going to like me telling you this, but <laughs> some of the, one of the performances that was really sweaty and that's the performance they kind of used a lot because I used a lot of energy. But what happens was they couldn't cut close to my face. So most of the wide shots, they use the wide shots so that they, people can't see. What the, my best show, I was sweaty. So the, so all the shots where I'm really are quite wide, just so that the people don't see <laughs> that I'm sweaty. And so there's like a continuation uh, um, um, of 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 feel, even. Yes, gotcha. So okay. it, I, I don't I don't know if you'll spot it. I don't know if you'll spot it. But it, we will cut. It, it was cut in between five shows. Um, the, the, so we'd shoot like a, a seven o'clock and a nine o'clock show. And then, okay. and then, um, that'll be, that was like one day, seven. And then the, and then the, we did a rehearsal, um, where I performed the whole show verbatim, um, with no audience member. This is where I was like complaining about the echo. So because oh it, wow okay yeah because remember so it, uh, it, well the director was like listen I want you to be as free as possible with the with the with the four shows that you're going to perform. So I want you to hit every important mark of the show without worrying about just if you if you mess up a line we'll do it again just so that we have it in the can and so if you miss so you're going to pick up the entire show. Yeah, so you've you got it in the can. I mean, that's really smart. I don't know if that's standard yeah, yeah. practice. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone doing that before. I mean, maybe they haven't not told me. That's amazing. Yeah, so we so we we kind of like shot. Uh, I shot like a. Uh, we used very little of it. Um, we 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 did use very little of it, but it was just there for backup. Me performing to an absolutely empty room. I have to perform it the exact same way. It's a good rehearsal for me. It's a good rehearsal yeah. for that lighting people. It's a good rehearsal for directors. It's a good um, rehearsal for camera people. It's a good rehearsal for everyone so that we're not like seeing this thing for the first time at this particular venue uh, and everyone is on the same page. And also you just have the cut in the bag before you go to your yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you recognize, can you see in your own performance when you watch it back, can you see like a, a little half moment and just go, oh, there was no one in the room there? Because, you know, even, even you know, with the nah. best attempt, the best acting of performing stand-up when there's no crowd, can you as the performer tell? No, I couldn't tell. I couldn't, I could oh, tell some performances that I was like, oh, this, this one is from the second bit because, only because I think the I. Some of the material, I forgot some of the stuff. Yeah. And then in the second show, I was like, okay, I got to remember that. And it was in the back of my mind that I got to remember that. So I'm like, oh, that cuts. This is from. But when I was looking at the editing of it, it must have been like 25 pieces of, of different parts of 
the whole it's not one show yeah because it's like i had a movie director directed and he just took he took he, he just took all the tricks from movies and he's like yeah but why don't you do this with stand-up just to get the best um yeah uh, and so there were just a lot of things that were considered that I, i've shot specials before but i didn't consider or even think of and he was just like listen this is what we do in the movie world. We're going to get eight cameras. We're going to have a jib. We're going to do... And I was like, okay, cool, do it. Yes. And there is that, weirdly, now you mention it, you can really see that, not specifically that it's shot like a movie, but it is shot in such a way that it feels... Cinematic. I don't know what the word is? Cinematic. Yeah, cinematic. Thank you. I was going to say yeah. filmic, and that's not right. It's cinematic, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There is something about that. And that's, that's I mean, that's really great for... For you, for the, uh, you know, the increasing, uh, I don't know what it is, the, the, not just the prestige, but kind of like what it is that Loyoso delivers. Yeah, the fact yeah. That like, oh, I'm kind of associated with quality. I guess it's like doing it in an incredibly nice suit. It's one of those things no one really noticed that they've noticed. Yeah, you said something to me in the last podcast that I still think of, like the, uh, but this particularly pertains to Edinburgh and like how. Oh, yeah. How your poster looks has a lot to do how you view, get viewed at the festival. Um, oh, yeah, by the industry. By I remember industry. that. That's, like a, that's a pet theory of mine. Yeah, your posters are there yeah, to tell yeah. the industry how you're doing, to tell the industry how much money you can afford to spend. Or whatever. As a result, yeah. how, how you successful you must be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of like, I mean, um, in terms of production, this we were kind of really showy with this production. I don't know if it came off. I mean, even the fact that we even thought of this bit of stand-up in a cinematic way was a showy kind of thing where I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to be a bit showy about this. So this is Loyer. So he's such, I mean, I say as much in in this interview, but it, it was really so thrilling for me a year ago to see him in Cape Town on his home turf, absolutely murdering him and Robbie Collins both. For me, I was just, I felt like I had my ears blown back to see someone in in an environment which is sort of, of which they are a part and an audience for me who were so kind of raucous and vocal in their love for them. It felt like both of them, both Robbie and Loy, both made an audience of some, I mean, must have been 800 people in that room, huge room, and a and proper kind of festival uh, venue, like, um, uh, what's the word I'm searching for? Like a, like a festival hall type venue. Um, and both of them made it feel like you were sat in the back room of a club with a low ceiling. It felt like you were at Top Secret. So to hear Lloyd talk about the gear change between those gigs that he loves, and he'll talk a little bit about Top Secret in, specifically, in fact, um, but to hear him earn the right to hear him have earned the right and the ability to treat a huge room like that as if it's a tiny little sub basement comedy club is just is just a joy it, it was fabulous to see him and uh, i highly recommend his special unlearning available now on netflix you can go to loyosogola.com and you can also f- uh, follow him on twitter at loyosogola when you've got a name that unique uh, then you don't need to fuck about with your web addresses and your links 15 minutes of extra stuff available to members of the insiders club and by the time you hear this we will also have recorded another zoom insiders q a um, a series of 
of, I want to call it one-to-one, but my point is if you're in the Insiders Club, you get to ask questions facilitated by me of our comedy guests. We have one in the bag with James Acaster from last year. He enjoyed it so much. He's coming on again next week. Um, And also by the time you hear this, we will have one with Nish Kumar. So if you want all of the extra stuff uh, over, I mean, I think there's got to be over 100 episodes now with extra bits and bobs on them. Uh, Somebody quote me on that if you like. Um, Loads of stuff, Zoom Q&As, the Slack workspace, all the rest of it. Comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. Follow this podcast at comcompod on your socials and you can email me info at comedianscomedian.com. Let's get back to Loy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. I make a lot of decisions that seem compromising, but... I know what uh, I, I know. I I kind of know what what, and it doesn't make sense to anyone else. It's not clear to anyone else. And I give you an example. So my agent would say, "Hey, do you want to open for this person?" And now, and it's a big act, um, and they're gonna do like twenty seven days. I'm gonna make some money at the end of it, and I'm gonna get the exposure. But my arrogance goes, (laughs) no. And then you go, but why? I mean, you uh, you just asked us for an advance. This is a great opportunity. Then I go, I'd rather be a top secret comedy club and dungy London clubs getting better at working at stuff. If I'm doing 27 dates of arenas or whatever the case is, I don't get better per se. I come and I just, so I go, I just need to get better. And this is also, I get better so that I just, I just want to, I just want the bits to be better so that the bits are undeniable. So even if you say, Hey, do you want to come headline in, I don't know, Newcastle or something? And I'll go, I'm going to take a, a three hour, whatever, four hour train ride to, to Newcastle, whatever the, however the distance is. And I'm going to come back to London the next day. I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to hate the place. I'm probably going to love the one gig. Or I could spend the whole weekend in London doing the dungiest, most fun clubs for five pounds a pop. But I get better. I get to work the bits. And it's, it's, so it's a very like weird decision because it's, at, at first glance, the decision is, listen, man, you could be on the road making, I don't know, you do all these dates, you, you're making, I don't know, you're making a uh, thousand pounds a night 
opening for a big act. You do 27 of those dates. That's not a bad day at the office, but I'm like, ah, let me rather, let me rather, let me rather get five pounds and get better. Now, is this, is that related to that, that kind of, that sort of laudable artistic impulse? Is that related to something we spoke about last time? Just at the very end of our conversation, you in, in the last podcast, you kind of introduced this idea of your, you have this kind of core unshakable faith that everything's going to work out for you. Do you remember that conversation? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, I don't, oh, man, I know. I don't, I, don't, I, I think the older I'm getting, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying older, like this was like 15, 20 years ago, but this is like how, <laughs> four years ago. But I, I, I yeah. do believe things will get better. But I also do know none of the stuff is owed to me. Like none of, none of these specials and you talking and interviewing me and being on the cover, none of the stuff is owed to me. I can only carve a path that I think will lead to that. And I have to be diligent about my path and also sometimes go with the flow and figure things out. But none of it is owed to me. But I, you know, I, I but I, at, the, at the end of the day, I, I, I have this great belief that everything will be fine. And I believe, I strongly believe the world is constantly conspiring to help me out. That's it. That was that. That's that's very much how you put it at the time. The world is conspiring to help you out. Because I remember we'd kind of run out of time. We couldn't get too far into it. But I remember thinking, I mean, that's, I'd love to feel like that. But that's mad, isn't it? <laughs> Surely to think that the world is conspiring to help you out. Constantly. Where does that, where does that come from? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I think like um, when things are happening, it, it's, it's as simple as it's a, the, the most simple way to kind of uh, figure it out is to go, do you see it half empty or half full? It's it's that it's that concept if you're going. So my brain just always because I've because I've always just seen things get better, always. Like yeah, I've, I've just yeah. always seen the situation get better. Now we can if you're looking at it politically. I was born in '83. Now 1980, the president, the person, uh, the president P. W. Boata, who was the president of um, of the apartheid regime at the time, was, was one of the most violent. Uh, of the of the regime, I mean, apartheid was particularly violent, but he really put like um, um, he really put gas on the violence, right? So, um, sure. so I grew up at that time. I grew up in a time where it was like, yo, it's the streets are burning, it's crazy, and it just it just got better, and you know, you, things became visibly better, and. So I have a, in my mind, I have a reference of things going better. I have less of, I have, I have a less of a reference of things going bad. Sure. But then that would be the same of anybody born in 83, right? Like certainly there is, there's a background in, in uh, South Africa of a cultural landscape in which things were definitely quantifiably improving. But that's what everyone must have felt. So not everybody, I guess, has that same sort of unshakable I, faith that you do. I just, well, I mean, maybe we don't see it the same way. They definitely, we definitely don't see things the same way. I def, like just, but it was, it, it's not even that. Like, I mean, that's just one of the things. Like, I, 
I've seen um, rap music being consumed um, by very few people. And when you're trying to buy it, it's at the back of the counter and you have to ask for it, you have to order it, it comes in three weeks, whatever the case, to it being the yeah. biggest genre. So I've seen, like, like I'm constantly, like, I'm going, oh, that used to be very different. Or I, I, the change is, like, constantly happening, and it's happening for the better. And I'm on that, that my mind is always spotting that. My mind is always going, oh, shit, yeah. And, and listen, it's also, like, a, a, a weird thing. It's like if I said to you, uh, a goat just ran past you right now. Yeah. And then you say, I didn't see the goat. Now, just because you didn't see the goat didn't mean, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Which okay. essentially means that you, you choose, you choose what's, it's, it's in your mind. You gotta, your mind has gotta be on that wave. Your mind's gotta be like, oh, okay, cool. I, I see which, I, I see, how can I explain? I see how, um, I see how I, I, I'm not articulating this point quite well, but I, I it's just the way I am. It's and do you do? Are, are there any kind of practices that you observe that kind of are related to this? Do you do like cosmic ordering or anything? Do you? No. Or do you? No. I don't no. know what. Like, do you write? Do you do you do you write a list of the things you want to achieve in the next ten years? Even no, I just live my life. I try to do as little as possible. That's. <laughs> Like I, tr like I, tr this is, this interview is the only thing I'm doing today. Um, <laughs> and I was going to do nothing today, but we, we couldn't do it yesterday because of um, yeah. technical reasons, whatever the case was. Um, but um, yeah, I just, I try to do as little as possible. I try to focus, I try to do a lot of like work on myself and I just think about a lot of things and I think about myself and I think about things I'm trying to, I don't write a thing down. I don't really, I, I really do a lot of visualization. I think that would probably be the one thing that I do. I go, I, this is in my mind somehow. The special has been in my mind maybe for the last five years. So, okay. so as, as, as it happens, you, even if you're opening a show in Edinburgh, you're like, eventually this is going to be a special for Netflix. Yeah, because that's the goal okay. for for a lot of comics. So your brain. So I know that I know how to visualize things. I know how to go. Okay, cool. It's in my mind. It, it, I don't tell anyone most of the times. Uh, if I'm dating someone, maybe I will tell them like, "Oh, this is what I'm trying to do," and, uh, and then, um, and you know, and I just try to work towards that. That's that's my one thing. I'm very pragmatic. I try to go, "What do I have to do to get this result?" And I try head towards those things. That's interesting. That's interesting. I, I'm like, I suppose as someone myself, I mean, as someone who like, I absolutely try to constantly be doing things like I don't, I don't, I feel compelled to constantly be doing things. And so the idea of having the sort of kind of uh, emotional fortitude or the kind of the emotion, the, the sort of the self-confidence, I guess, to be able to go, I'm going to try not to do much whilst at the same time, you know, as you as you are, you're very successful. You know, you're like you're a you're a a very successful comic. You've got like a million Twitter followers or something, and you have a, a you know you've got an output of stuff. You've got a Netflix special and kind of that one before it, which was like sort of a Netflix special, but not compared to this. You know, you you're achieving an enormous amount, 
And I think that I can't be the only one <laughs> listening to this driven mad by thinking, what, that's the secret? You just don't do anything and visualize success? Well, I mean, for me, I, I also, I, I had a friend who said to me, um, it, she said something to me. I spoke to her yesterday, by the way, and, and we were, and she said something to me. She said, um, clarity is freedom. And then I said, okay. what do you mean? She says, once things are clear in your mind, you have the freedom to just make decisions. Right? You, I like you, the idea of that. Okay. It, when the thing is clear, when you visualize a thing and you see it in front of you and it's clear, then you start, then every decision you make is easy. You have the freedom to make decisions and they become easy. People, so, so I, it took me about a year to think about that. And so it was very clear to me that I don't, I so don't, with, I, so, go on. To me, it was very clear what I wanted to do. I wanted to get on tour, play clubs, developing material, take the club, the material on tour, and then hopefully have an opportunity to tape it. So throughout all this time, I've been getting a lot of opportunities. So i.e. an opportunity, someone will be like, Hey, this this show is looking for writers. Do you want to pitch? Maybe you could get a writing gig. And you, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, but that's disrupts that disrupts my plan. Yeah, but it's this big show, and look how many people have come out of the show. So that I'm like, yeah, but that's not my plan. My plan is clear. My plan is to do material, be a top secret every night, working material, and <laughs> uh, and then hopefully take it on the road. Hopefully the people who have seen me like it. And then I tore it and put it on Netflix and then do it again and then do it again. Because if I'm doing like, uh, if I'm doing, because I know the amount of work it takes to put together a podcast. It seems easy. It is not. The amount of work it takes to write a TV show and write a TV idea. It's not easy. It's very difficult work. So for me, I don't like to be distracted by those things because at the end of the day, you, you might get a, be successful, maybe get an Emmy or whatever the case is. But I don't care about that. I, my concern is trying to be a better comic every single time. I'm trying to be a better comic. And I get, I, it's a weird thing. It's weird. But I'm, I'm, I'm like, I like, I'm like, oh, because I was nominated, I'm nominated for two Emmys, but I'm like, yeah, those opportunities to even get to be nominated for an Emmy come from the idea that I do stand-up. So I should never, ever be neglectful to stand-up. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I, like, I mean, I, I'm very, that's a very attractive idea, isn't it? That it's, uh, that it's clarity. Like I, my friend Arif, uh, I remember him saying to me years ago, I was sort of struggling in, I can't remember what it was, some sort of personal relationship or maybe a girlfriend or something. And he said, uh, you should just throw a big dollop of honesty at it. That'll sort everything out. And I remember thinking, whoa, clarity of purpose. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Imagine, imagine if the sort of the frazzled labyrinth of my brain and what I think my what I think I want and what I'm not sure. Oh, is that really what I want? All of that. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of chatter going on there. And you seem to have eliminated all of that. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, I'm, sometimes I get too clear and I'm like, oh man, maybe that was helping me to get to my destination. But I'm like, nah, let me just be stubborn about this. <laughs> so I'm, I get really stubborn about my clarity. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, stubbornness. So there's a question I often ask, enjoy asking people, which is um, apart from your comic ability, undeniable comic ability, what is it that has got you to where you are? Like not counting, obviously, comedy and you're great at comedy. Not counting that. What other qualities of the self have got you to where you are? So stubbornness, you think? Stubbornness and clarity yeah. of, of Abs- Absolute stubbornness. And, and also just, um, no, I'm not really scared to break rules. Like, okay, I, one of the things that I had to learn quite in my, when I was in my late 20s was just to unlearn stuff. Because I was doing stuff because, I, because this is how things were done. So I had to figure out what is important to me, what is relevant to my life. And so um, I don't know, like I'm, I'm thinking like even, even thinking like, okay, cool, this is the age where all my friends are getting married. Does this make sense to me? Um, this is this, you know, like all, all, all those kind of things. So I yeah, had to like go on this, stuff. Yeah. Like, so I had to go on this real actual journey of unpacking my life and going, mm, that doesn't work for me. Mm, that doesn't work for me. Mm, that doesn't, you know, so I had to, so I, I, I am a big learner and an unlearner. I'm, I'm quite malleable. Is that the term? Malleable. Yeah. Malleable. Sorry. Yeah. I'm quite malleable in that sense that I can, um, I, I can, I can, I can, uh, flow in and out of, uh, situations and ideas. I'm not, I'm not fixated with ideas. So what is, the, what is the downside of that stubbornness? If the, the stubbornness about, uh, like, and the, the clarity of purpose, presumably the downside is like, you know, if you don't stop and have a relationship, maybe some kids, then you might be lonely when you're older, right? I'm, I'm, I'm putting my, my, my neuroses of 10 years ago in your mouth by way of an example, and not to suggest at all that like having children is the be all and end all of existence. But what are the, what are the things that concern you, if, if anything, when you think, clarity, do this, tour the stuff, get it on Netflix, sit, you know, sell the show, do it again, do it again, do it again. Is there, are there any downsides to that? Do you envisage, you know, 10 Netflix specials later, you're like, oh, I, better, I guess I've done that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, um, I, I will get into other things as time goes, but I, I don't, I, I have thought of, I've had the same questions of like oh okay i could dedicate my life to this thing and then you know be 65 and 75 and lonely um but there's people with kids who are 75 and lonely that is fair (laughs) (laughs) it's like not 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 to laugh at those individuals but that is a fair point (laughs) yeah so you know um you don't know. You can only you can only make the decisions with the information available to you. What's available to me now are these opportunities, and I have yeah. the energy to really try to uh, tick 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 these boxes, i.e., Netflix specials, the tours, and that kind of stuff, and just be good at what I do. I, I I'm really obsessed with the idea of being good at what I do. So you were educated in a multiracial school and you said in the, in the special, culturally, I was in touch with everyone. And that, you know, the joke about, <laughs> joke about fucking up Walid, great bit, right? <laughs> um, but uh, the, uh, 
the you were connected to everyone and now and it's interesting now you're a very globe trotting comedian you're sort of you know when when there's a globe and we're all allowed to trot it you know but you are very connected all over the place and i'm just sort of interested in in what i suppose what that experience is like i mean there's a lot of comics that that you know <laughs> it's a, I, I imagine it's a classic experience i certainly went round. um i was at hot tub in uh, in la and backstage, I saw Ashling B. And we both looked at each other like, what are you doing here? Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought I'd discovered this little crevice, this tiny little place, you know. And, um, and I think I'm just interested in what that experience must be like. Do you think it is partly because of um, your upbringing or because of like your schooling being very connected? You seem not just, I don't mean just culturally, but you seem like the sort of person that kind of gets on with everyone. Oh, I don't, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not confrontational, but I do kind of, um, um, uh, I, I'll call bullshit out, like, but I'm not, but probably not in a confrontational way, but I know how to navigate human beings. Um, I think that's a big part of being a stand-up, just being able to exist amongst human beings and, um, understand them and sort of scrutinize them in your in your brain and be able to 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 move around because when i was young we, we lived all over the place so the a, a big part of my life i didn't interact with um white kids and and kids yeah. from different races and then the next part of my life i was interacting with everyone and then the next part of my life i'm living in a, a muslim uh, community next part of my life i'm living you know so i was always just always just um adapting or just sort of trying to fit in and trying to learn what what these people are on. So in my brain, I'd never, I, I, it, I never developed like a normal per se. Like I, I like it was never like, oh, this is normal, because the you know it was always just like, oh, these people yeah. do it like this, those people do it like that, and those people sure. do it like this. So I can't just, I can't just come say, well, I guess I'm talking to these people, but I can just say it freely if I'm talking, you know, like I could. Um, you know, so I, I knew, I knew how, that's why it's so easy for me. I think, I don't know. I mean, this is a thought that I've just, um, that just came to me now. I think that's why it's so easy for me to play the globe. It's because I'm like, I understand the fact, like I've seen New York comics just go to Finland and talk about the subway. And then you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I always hear stuff like that. I can't believe that actually happens, but yeah, fair enough. Then you're like, what are you talking about? Like, you we're in Sydney and then the person's like, yeah, I was on the A train. What the fuck are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> There's a sketch. I don't know if you know Andy Daly, who's a brilliant uh, comic and uh, kind of character improv actor as well. Um, he does a, a, on his album Nine Sweaters, he has a routine called Scooters Last Night in Town. And it's an LA comic going, this is my, I've been working here for ages now, I'm going on a world tour, this is my last set, and then his world tour is about literally, all the material is about things that happened across the street. <laughs> you know, you know, you're know, you in specifically that shop and they come down the escalator. Anyway, the the thing I was going to ask with, kind of related to that idea of kind of connecting and being a, being a citizen of the world, um, you talk on the special about one of the ramifications of apartheid is being told, like studying to be an astronaut was there is a thing in your brain that says you aren't allowed to then become an astronaut. It was the law. So it's, it's quite limiting, you know. It's, 
I listen. Uh, I absolutely limiting limiting in ways I can't possibly understand. Yeah, I think but that's I, what I'm trying to communicate as well. I mean, because you think because you grew up in Britain is something that you can't. I think I'm. I think I'm computing it exactly the same way you compute it. I'm going. I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't know if I'll be able to be at peace with the idea that I can't be this thing that I want to be. Like I don't, I, I couldn't, you, you couldn't motivate me to go to school. You couldn't motivate me to do shit. Like, like, it, it, so I don't, so, so I've been, when I do press and because I talk about my mom at the end. And so yeah. when I talk about my mom, sure, I'm talking about my mom, but I, I think for me, it was sort of like a, an extended metaphor of, that group of people, our parents, and that sort of like resilience and that sort of will to just continue, even though it's limited. It's like you, you, you can't walk certain parts, you can't go to a certain beach. I'm like, I would lose my mind. I would, <laughs> I'd be Yeah, I, because well that that was that was kind of the thrust of my question, because I suppose you are like someone in your position, as you know, in where you are in comedy, I mean is that there has to be the space to dream that career before you can do it. Like you seem to be like a very, you're a very unlimited person. Of and course. I'm just, I think that's really interesting, particularly in terms of, you know, you're kind of the schooling in loads of different cultures, loads of different environments and what have you. The fact you're a globe trotting comedian, all of that is built on this platform of an incredible freedom to dream the world as you want to, to, to be in it. And I'm just yeah. sort of interested in that, that. Like, almost is that is that like a sort of a mental? You've achieved a kind of mental escape velocity from the world you were born into. Um, yeah, somehow. I mean, time uh, allowed me to kind of escape it. Um, but for me, it's incredible. I still find it extremely incredible, like how these people continued living. I, I, it, it, listen, I, it, 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 it boggles my mind. I mean, I, I see when people are sometimes protesting for, you know, for diversity, for, for diversity and, and all these uh, causes that are valuable in our society that, you know, change that needs to happen well in, in our way. But I go, we have come a mile from, <laughs> Oh, you you can't be an astronaut. Why? Yeah. And for me, it's such a peculiar argument, even just logically. Like, it's like um, we're the superior race. Okay, can we run against you? No, you're not allowed. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay, I mean, that's like a. You know what I mean? Can we box? Just to say, just to see it. Okay, can I also just fly to the moon? Maybe. But for me, you know, the thing about. That's the weird thing about the short-termness, the short-term thinking of apartheid, even being sexist and homophobic, and the short-term thinking is is, is, is limited because yeah. as humans, our ideas are to progress and get better. So let's say let's say 30% of the population was gay or 40% of the population or 60% of the population were women. If you stop them from getting into industries and, and opportunities because of these situations, you are literally blocking 
you're literally blocking 40% of the world in, from contributing to our problems. Yeah. That doesn't, like for me, that doesn't make sense. It's like someone, hey, I could help with that. No! You're not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're, you're a woman. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. This is like, you just, you know, you're not helping us. And have you got, are you the sort of thinker who has solutions no. to the world? Like that frustration where you're like, oh, this is mad. This, why are we doing it like this? I don't, that, I, I don't, think that's something. I, go I don't have solutions. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the privilege of comedy, isn't it? I'm yeah, absolutely going to talk about and refer to these things and make you think about them without offering a solution to anything. Yeah, I mean, solutions require me to do stuff. I, I don't think you heard me earlier. I don't <laughs> I try to do as little as possible. I'm just like, listen, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I, like, what, what, what did the English say? Couldn't be bothered. Couldn't be bothered. Couldn't be bothered. Couldn't, I didn't what, even realize that was an English expression. Um, what's, what's the, uh, um, oh, can't, can't be asked. Yeah. Can't be asked. Yeah. There's some things where I'm like, yeah, I know it's important, but I can't be asked. And it's not that I don't care. It's just that I, my pragmatic side is telling me to calm the fuck down. Just to wrap up, what are the metrics of success for you? And first, like, that's a wider question, but just in, re in, re in regard to Netflix, because that, they're, such a, they're such an extraordinary organization in that 10 years ago, they were, you know, they were posting DVDs to your house. And now they are like the marker of comedy success to get a Netflix special. And I'm interested in knowing how much of it you have access to in terms of knowing how many people saw the show. Do they, you know, do they share the information with you? How well your special did? Do, you know, that, that you're kind of that world comedy, world comedians thing you did before. Do they share no. that information with you beyond saying that did well enough? Do you want another one? No idea. I have no idea how many people. Isn't watch. that nuts? <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen. I don't think that even should be allowed, but um, legally. Um, but oh, you mean to like that they that they kind of hoard their figures? Yeah, yeah. But, but um, obviously, because you know they've the definitely got them. That's the weird thing. They've got more specific metrics than of anyone course. Yeah, in, yeah. In old media, but the law is always like a couple of years behind. <laughs> 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 always always um so so, the lo so the do lo you have do, do you have um like your own kind of internal metrics like when the first one went out when the world comedians went went out did you find that you there was kind of anything tangible in terms of like i don't know like no. twitter followers or ticket sales or was it sort of the general kind of miasma of prestige were you aware of those sorts of things um I think um, or nothing. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I was I was part of a series, so this it was um, the series was called Comedians of the World, and then there were thirty minute special. There was like I don't know, maybe thirty. I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't remember how many, but there was a lot. So, I I the people who watched me liked me, um, and they commented on my on my uh, um, on my Instagrams and stuff like that. But the thing that really kind of like made people notice who I was, was probably the live at the Apollo clip. Um, the it's so crazy because the BBC put out live at, live at the Apollo clip, but they didn't mention my name, which is so crazy. 
They didn't mention my name. The clip exists, but I, my name is not on it. So people, <laughs> so if you go on the clip, people are like, who is this person? Be like, I like this person. I like that. I'm like, this is so, so weird that they didn't put my name. Um, and it had 30 million views. My name is not on it. That's incredible. 30 million. And what yeah. your name isn't, your name isn't written in the text. Your name isn't said on the video. Not said Neither. on the video. No. None of it, which is so mad. <laughs> Can so, you, have you tried to do anything about that? Well, I mean, um, nah, nah, nah. I just, I just was like, okay, cool. I mean, if I pop, if I pop up somewhere, people will be like, oh, there's that dude. I hope. Um, but the clip did so well, man. I, I mean, it was people were just circulating it and people were sharing it and people um, were, were loving it. So uh, that did way more for me than my Netflix thirty minutes special. But I think this one, you know, will, you know, build to the momentum. People will go back and search my stuff on Netflix and people, you know what I mean? It will, it will, yeah. it will, it will definitely help take me to a level where, um, I'll, I'll be a, co- a comic who's touring the world very soon as soon as it's open, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might be worth an email to the BBC just saying, can you update the, the clip? Yeah, they listen, man. I it, it is what it is. I just have to accept what it is. Remember, it's always helping me. It seems like well, it's this not. is it. This is it. If that if that had happened to me, I'd be tearing my hair out, going, "This is typical." The glass is half empty. I suddenly get this great success. My name's not on it, and of course, you're uh, you're you with your uh, <laughs> your outlook, and you're like, "Well, it is what it is." Yeah, it is what it is. It's, it's helping me. I mean, it's not a it's the, you you. The thing about humans, you're always going to want it better. But sometimes you just have to acknowledge what you have. I got 30 million eyeballs on my jokes. So I don't understand what what there is to be upset about. Um, Yeah, and, you know, it's it's cool. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. (laughs) I'll I'll probably make a... I'll, I'll, if someone ever comes up to me, I'll be like, well, it was pretty fucked up of you not to mention my name. But at, I, as it stands, I'm like, hmm, whatever, man. It's all good. It's all helping me. I'll be fine. I also think sometimes I use the term, um, it's helping me to be at peace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is it. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a kind of an obsession of mine is like, to what extent do people who have positive attitudes towards say failure you know not that we're talking about failure but a positive attitude towards things going wrong to what extent is that just a positive attitude and to what extent is that a thing one has had to grow to protect oneself um it's a bit of both on my end i i do have a genuine belief that things are going to be good but uh, sometimes i'm like i have to remind myself oh yeah this is a pretty shitty situation right now but it's all helping. Um, yeah. COVID is a... Remember the, the, the special looks different to any special... Like in terms of... It's, it, like it's, it's the, the set is quite ostentatious. Yeah, sure. Right. So that I wasn't was, sure if that was like built into the venue. That was an incredible set. No, that is the venue. So those big, it's that is sort of the sort of like empty, I don't know, cathedral feel yeah. is the venue. And then, and then you, we just added parts and we lit it a specific way. But I think that 
it wouldn't have looked the way it looked had it not been COVID. So COVID was horrible, but it was kind of directing us to shoot a highly technical special. So it was helping us, even though it killed like 2 million people or whatever. We were like, oh, I I feel I'm being guided towards a great special here. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we'd better stop there before we get emails. (laughs) No, well, if, 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 we shot like a, a, I would have just shot it in a theater. You would have, I, a lot of considerations would have evaporated. We just yeah, had to right. think about it a lot, way more. Yeah. Cause we had the time yeah. and we had to make it look the way it looked and consider the content in it and all that kind of stuff. Great job, man. It's a fantastic special. And I look forward to seeing you at the Edinburgh Festival 2022. Um, oh wow! You what do you think? When does when does the world come back? Twenty twenty four. Indeed. That's the least upbeat moment in a very positive episode, Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twenty four. I'm talking about everybody can do. We we back to normal. Yeah. We back back yeah. back like, but it's not yeah. normal normal. But we like, we back. But then, I mean, there's, there's uh, Carl Donnelly, I know, is either just about to come out of or has just come out of two weeks isolation with his family in a single quarantine hotel room in Australia so that he can work the festivals out there. So oh, it's kind of possible for individuals. You know, yeah. you can, there's like a limited amount of, you know, work-focused globe-trotting if you can do the right, jump through the right hoops, do it all safely and what have you. Yeah, I hear you. I don't know. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I think I'll, you're taking advantage yeah. of nothing happening to do less. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So this has been Loyeso Gola, a joy, an absolute joy, uh, a pleasure talking to him. And uh, just, I, I, I remain completely blown away by his facility and making those huge rooms feel like little ones. So do check out his special Unlearning on Netflix. I was almost about to say Netflix.com, but to be honest, if you can't work that out, you don't deserve to watch it. 15 minutes of extras at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. And no extra bits, no preamble today, because uh, I am at this weekend, uh, which, depending on if, you've, if you're an early adopter of this episode, if you've downloaded it immediately, there may still be time, there may still be tickets. I'm doing an hour of something or other at uh, Catherine Bohart's Gigless Comedy Festival. And very excitingly, I'm the only straight white guy on the bill. There's about 10 people doing previews. And uh, what a joy. What a joy to be the only straight white guy on the bill. Man, I'm going to do some generic stuff about my kids and my problems. Oh, God damn it. That's funny, but I should probably take it out because... No, let's let's leave it in. I think you can see the irony with which I'm talking there. I mean, I don't know how ironic it is because I am going to do stuff about my kids and my problems, but uh, it, it'll be nice for once not to check whether that stuff crosses over <laughs> with the other 10 straight white guys on the bill, is my point, as I believe you know. So find out about that. Some great acts on there. I think Sindhu's on. Uh, Nabil is going to be doing some stuff as well. Um, Catherine herself, I think, and uh, Helen the Beast Bauer is going to be on there as well. Are we calling Helen Bauer the Beast? We should do. She's an absolute beast. Um, so that is that's that. So my point being, there's going to be no post amble because I'm going to run away and continue um, 
uh, whatever it is I've been doing this week towards that show, writing, I guess. I feel like I've been writing quite efficiently. I've been going on long walks and talking into my dictaphone and um, hopefully that's going to be enough because God knows. I'll report back. I'll report back next week. Fantastic episode with Suze Kempner in the can. That's coming out next week. Delightful sausage the week after that. And I'm recording a few more in the next few days and weeks. So loads more great stuff to come. And while I remember, do go and check out stuartgoldsmith.co.uk because I'm very proud of it. And perhaps you'd like to send me an insulting email telling me where I have misplaced commas and semicolons and the like. But do check it out. I'm very proud of that. And I built it myself. Thank you, as ever, to podcast consultant Peter Dobbing, Rob Smouten for the music, Jake Crossland for the logging, and your podcast editor and uploader, and God damn it, let's call him producer, was Nathan Wood. I've been Stu Goldsmith. That was Lawyer Sugola. This is The Comedian's Comedian. I will speak to you next week. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.